if you have a good understanding of a subject and the law behind it, and you see it's something that is in need, then consider jumping into it. You're listening to Be That Lawyer, life-changing strategies and resources for growing a successful law practice. Each episode, your host, author, and lawyer coach, Steve Fretzen, will take a deeper dive, helping you grow your law practice in less time with greater results. Now, here's your host, Steve Fretzen. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Be That Lawyer. I am Steve Fretzen, your host, and I hope you're having a wonderful day. Uh, Listen, we have a great show for you today, as usual. If you're a regular listener, I would really love it if you would give us some kind words on on, uh, whatever device you're using or web connection to talk about the show, to give us a thumbs up, to rate us and say some nice things. If you're enjoying it, you know, share it out with the world. We're trying to get as large an audience as we can. And you're our audience and we appreciate you and we hope that you can spread the word. If you don't know too much about Fretzen uh, and what I do here, uh, I only do two things. I work with very ambitious individual attorneys to help them grow their law practices. And of course, I run peer advisory groups helping very successful lawyers continue that success by putting them in peer advisory groups with other like-minded lawyers to talk about their problems and work on solutions and hold each other accountable to hit some big, big numbers. And uh, I just got out of one the other day and holy mackerel, everyone in that in that room is crushing it. And it's just uh, like success breeds success. So that's what's going on. I got Harrison sitting in the wings. How's it going, Harrison? It's going great. How are you, you, know, you Good. You know, you have two first names, right? Harrison Jordan. Well, I've got a first name as a last name and a last name as a first name. Yeah. And doctor's offices never get it. I've stopped correcting them. Yeah. And when I look you up online, there's a lot more Jordan Harrisons than Harrison Jordans. Yeah. So there's that. Blame my parents. (laughs) I will. I I want their numbers when we're done with the show. I'm going to give them a little little piece of my mind. Um, Everybody, we've got some sponsors to thank. We've got Money Penny. We've got Practice Panther and, of course, Legalese. Thank them. Thank them for being such a great part of the show and, and being supportive. Um, we've got a quote that no one has maybe heard of in the U.S. You're up in Toronto and um, a proof is a proof. So that's a proof obvious. is a proof. Proof is a yeah, proof. It's, so a proof is a proof. And when you have a good proof, it's because it's proven. That's uh, Jean Chrétien when he was prime minister. And I think the reporters kept bugging him about Iraq, why he wasn't going to go into Iraq, what proof he needed that there weren't WMDs. And I just... Uh, I find it funny. A proof is a proof. What kind of a proof? It's a proof. A proof is a, a proof is a proof. And when you have a good proof, it's because it's proven. That's and it. He, That's all we need to know. He, we can all... And he was he was just very, I guess, upset at the reporters keep asking, well, what do you need to see? What do you need to see? And he's like, what do you, what do you mean? What do I need to see? So proof, it's a funny right? quote. And I have respect for him for that quote. Well, in in, in the U.S., we we have a new one. It's uh, everybody's everybody says. That's a new one, right? Someone I won't say who came up with that, but but mm. when a politician says, you know, everybody's saying, probably oh, yeah. nobody, probably <laughs> nobody's saying, right? But that's what yeah. if everybody's saying it, it must be true and it must be the whatever. Anyway, we won't get into politics on this yeah. show, but let's talk about religion. No, let's not do that either. <laughs> um, Harrison Jordan, you're up in Toronto. You've got a super interesting practice. And as we get into this conversation, people are going to realize you know a lot more about stuff that they don't. 
And so mm-hmm. we're going to get, as I is, you guys will know what I'm talking. You guys will understand what I'm talking about in a minute, but if you would be so kind to give your background and, and how you, you know, just kind of like getting into law and then kind of where you've taken your practice, that would be great. Yeah. So I'm a call of uh, 2018 and I was always interested in uh, cannabis and I've always been interested in the law. And so I thought to combine the two and it's been an interesting journey. I pretty much wrote all my law school papers that I could on cannabis, you know, if I, if I could, and you know, why not from different perspectives, there's a globalization class I took anyways, from there, I ended up working. uh, When I got into law school, I applied and in the entrance essay, I, I wrote about this professor and how I, I really appreciated that they tenored him, even though he was saying stuff like let's legalize cannabis. And he was going to the court, Supreme Court to strike down the gambling and sex work and cannabis laws. And I thought it was great that they tenored him because he was outspoken. And long story short, I ended up when I applied, I got in and I ended up being placed in his criminal law class. And then from there, He's also head of Innocence Project at Osgoode Hall. So I was part of that. I was basically half of my duties were related to the Innocence Project, which he was the director of. And the other half was uh, cannabis law related matters. And then from there, articled at a cannabis law firm. And almost right after I, I went into practice from part-time practice to full-time practice. And now I've expanded my law practice to cover psychedelics, non-fungible tokens, and other uh, regulated substances. Yeah. So are the psychedelics legal in Canada yet or no? Well, no, they're not generally legal. Uh, There is a pathway for patients to be able to obtain access, but basically it's a difficult program. You don't know if you're going to get into the program or not. It has to be a debilitating disease condition. Yeah. And so it's, it doesn't cover everything. In Health Canada, when assessing applications, they look at the latest evidence, right? If there's a phase two or phase three showing that something is safe and effective, then, then they'll use that to guide their interpretation. But no, generally not, not legal. You can obtain access from this program for medicinally if it's a debilitating condition. And, but you can't possess it yourself. It has to be administered to you by a doctor or a psychotherapist or nurse. Whereas in the U.S., I know some states are saying, ah, we'll get rid of that. We'll, we'll decriminalize the, the simple possession of it and uh, call it a day. And as some people will say, that's better. But uh, no, generally not legal here. Okay. And you mentioned a minute ago, too, about NFTs. I think there's a lot of confusion about what those are and why we should care like what is that what are they about and what's all the hubbub yeah so an nft or non-fungible token so if you can imagine a database but distributed across computers around the world an nft is a unique entry in that database in that distributed database and so your entry is a unique hash letter a string of letters and numbers and it's registered in this database which is not stored in one central location and it's propagated around the world by computers around the world. That is what an NFT is and, and that's the blockchain that lives on. Okay. And so itself, it's just a token. It's just an identifier. 
And you can move this identifier, this, this token, this string of letters and numbers that's unique to you on this blockchain, whatever the blockchain is, you can send it to wallets, you can carry it back, uh, you can buy it back, so you can transfer it. And with smart contracts on top of that, there's been this ecosystem and economy where you can do things with your, your NFT, such as rent it out, lease it out, fractionalize it. So basically, an NFT is that entry in that distributed database. By itself, it's just a token. It's just an identifier. But I thought it was uh, like if I sneezed into a napkin and that was an NFT that, that I could like sell. Is well, that well, well, that's where that's where I'm getting to. You're going so, there. All right. I, yeah. I beat you to so, it. Sorry. So okay. artists, artists have attached artwork to the NFTs. They okay. don't actually put it in the NFT. What they do is they create a hyperlink, literally a URL field that they put in. They say, oh. I'm going to hyperlink it to this image. And that's the image that's going to represent what the NFT is. I see. So, so it's, that's so it's not that it's not that the sneeze napkin is worth a million dollars. It's the NFT that it's associated with. That's just the, it's the NFT that's associated with it. And, and that's due to provenance. Artists are using it to establish provenance. But then you get into issues like, you know, if you buy an NFT of an artwork and an artist draw another exact copy or close copy, and sell an NFT later, you know, yeah. it, typically you're not giving the, the copyrights away when you sell a piece. So it, it has some implications that make it slightly different than physical art. And then it's very interesting because it's a world of technology that I think has taken law and regulations uh, by storm. And I was going to say, this sounds great for the legal industry, <laughs> Well, it, right? It, it and there's just more and more confusion leading to more lawsuits and more legal work, more billable hours. Oh, well, perhaps, but I mean, everyone says AI is going to take away jobs. So, you know, as lawyers, we'll, we'll get the jobs we can take. We got to, we got to balance it out, right? Yeah. Okay. And, you know, as long as we're talking about technology and it seems to be something you know quite a bit about, let's also just briefly talk about the metaverse and how this impacts the legal industry from your perspective and that's another area that's very gray for a lot of people listening. And I think you can sort of explain it and then how, what's the legal twist on it? Yeah. So the metaverse, there's no set definition for it, but the metaverse is a virtual reality that is beyond the existing world and use computers and technology to access it. VR goggles is, you know, the big thing people think of. And the metaverse can be its own digital universe or it can be graphed onto the existing, the existing universe, your existing reality here on earth. And so there are technologies that display items in your view. And then there's some metaverses where you're, you're in basically a completely different world, but it's mediated by the existing world that you're, that you're in. It doesn't always have to use VR glasses. There are some metaverses where it's browser-based, so you're on your computer. Right. They try to make it as as immersive as possible. Some people would say it's just MMORPGs, just in, in a new form. Um, so is it? But is it like is it like Ready Player One? But instead of us battling right against each other or with each other and in whatever I die and you get my there coins can or whatever, be battling. But but people can have meetings, right? And that's right. But I was going to say, but instead we're having a legal conversation and talking about you know I'm helping you with a legal challenge. Is that is that more? in line with where it's going and with the legal industry? Well, the metaverse, anything can happen in the metaverse, right? Okay. And so 
Certainly, I think we're going to see a lot of businesses jump into the metaverse and have offices in the metaverse. There are lawyers that already have offices in the metaverse, and I want to I want to have an office in the metaverse. I don't yet, but because okay. I want to find a good metaverse where I can be the first lawyer to have a law office there. Otherwise, you know, I don't want to be the third or fourth, but I might eventually do that if everyone's reaching to a certain metaverse. But I think, yeah, meetings are going to be huge, but with the understanding that for lawyers that take consultations, legal consultations in the metaverse, law societies haven't caught up. And I think there's still going to be a expectation that you provide law in respect to the jurisdiction that you're licensed for. Otherwise, things can get a bit hairy. So I, I don't think it changes the game in respect of it. And hopefully law societies, they, they come in and they, they address it somehow. But otherwise, I would say it's great. Even if you're meeting people in your jurisdiction to do it in the metaverse, it's, I don't want to say it's more informal, but it's, it's cooler. Okay. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to like have a character as a moose with a funny, you know, funny beer hat or something. And then I'm going to go in and we're going to talk about serious legal topics. It'll just be super weird. <laughs> we, we can do that as long as, you know, we're not uh, doing anything too offensive that, that people would not take too kindly uh, to. I know there's a metaverse safety week now. I just got a notification. It's metaverse safety. It's safety in the metaverse. I mean, why not? It's, it's like a, it's like a virtual reality. So Maybe soon we'll start seeing, you know, violence and robberies in metaverses. I don't know, but uh, it's like a universe that's beyond the universe. And so you have to grapple with all these legal and ethical quagmires, sort of similar to how you have to do that on good old, good old earth. Yeah. But if we come back to the show's theme of, of how do we grow law practice, is it something that lawyers should seriously consider getting into because there's business there as opposed to- yes laughing it off and just saying, whatever, that's not for me. Yeah. Well, look, I don't yet have an, a law office in the metaverse, but what I will say is that it does establish, I don't want to say prestige, but it, it goes to show that you are in touch with what's happening in the industry. Yeah. Um, and look, by default, most meetings are going to be done in an office, in a boardroom, real or virtually through webcam yeah, the Zoom. Uh, or phone. So look, it's not going to be like every meeting or maybe even every other meeting is in the metaverse, but I think it, it can be helpful for lawyers that want to get into this space. Definitely. Okay. And soon we're going to see, you know, legal disputes take place in the metaverse. I don't know if it was a joke or if it was an actual personal injury lawyer ad, but I saw an ad for car crashes for legal services for people who get into injuries in metaverse car crashes and virtual car crashes. So I don't know if that was a joke or not, but it does highlight that there's going to be disputes in the metaverse. So even if you're not thinking, let's get into NF, let me get into NFT law, but I want to be still be in touch with what's happening and maybe participate. Um, you should definitely consider getting a, a law office in the metaverse. All right. So we're, we're going to keep people's minds open about that. Um, I think the injury I could foresee is actually like walking into a wall with the glasses on because I think there's there's more room to walk and there isn't. But that's a different type yeah. of that's a different type of personal injury. As a listener of this podcast, I hope you've learned some valuable lessons when it comes to not just managing your firm but helping it thrive. Practice Panther, the all-in-one legal practice management software, is designed to help you do just that. 
It has powerful reporting that gives you real-time feedback on the health of your firm and its finances, automated workflows that free up your schedule while keeping your cases on track, and tons of native feature like e-signature and two-way texting that keeps your clients happy and informed. With Practice Panther, you don't have to do it all by yourself. Get a free demo at practicepanther.com slash be that lawyer to receive 10% off your first year. Legalese Marketing is not your traditional marketing vendor. Instead, we're a true fractional CMO that helps you save time and spend your money the right way to build the practice of your dreams. We help through the entire process, from customizing your intake system to driving leads and even getting more reviews afterwards. Schedule your free call at LegalEaseMarketing.com. Hey, Steph, tell everyone what MoneyPenny does for law firms. We're the call handling and live chat experts. A MoneyPenny receptionist can ensure that your calls are directed to the right person seamlessly, saving you time and money. Steve, did you know that 69% of people don't like to leave a voicemail? I did not know that. That's a lot of business going away right there. Let's cut to the chase. What are you prepared to do for my listeners? We're offering an exclusive two-week free trial. If you're interested in hearing more, you can call me directly on 470-534-8846 and mention that you've heard this ad on Steve's podcast. Very cool. Thanks. So you're, look, you're a solo practice, you're up in Toronto and you've been, you know, working on growing your law practice and, and really focusing. What are a couple things that you focus on to build your law practice that you think would be helpful to my audience as it relates to whether they're a solo or whether they're, you know, a lawyer at a firm, it's it's all you ink, right? We all got to build business and bring in clients. So what are your thoughts? Well, I think, first of all, uh, you should have a good set of presidents, especially if you're a solo practitioner or a smaller firm. And so there are some companies, at least in Canada, that, that offer a very big database of those. So I would say that's important, but also marketing and staying on top of your marketing efforts, I think is very important. I think um, Google ads can be very helpful. I also think you should follow up with clients to get reviews on, on Google. Ask them straight up, I, can I get a review on Google? And I'll say it's, you're under no obligation, obviously, but with, with a review, if you can, if you can increase your, your reviews, what the reviews you're getting, if you can implement some Google ads, and if you can stay on top of search engine optimization, it can lead to a, a continuous supply of, uh, of clients. Yeah. And everybody, you know, has a different way of getting business. And and if your business revolves around internet leads, web leads, things like that, search engine optimization, pay-per-click and uh, Google ads are going to be really, really critical. And then I would say on top of that, you know, obviously, you know, relationships, right? Client relationships, client loyalty, and um, developing strategic relationships with lawyers and other professionals that can refer you. And the way that I, I talk about it on a fairly regular basis is a mountain. And on one side is marketing and on the other side is business development. They're not the same. Sometimes lawyers call business development marketing, but it's not the same. So we want a marketing, you know, search engine optimization, content creation. How are we, you know, getting our the word out to the masses? And then on this side, it's the individual relationships that you're developing. And if you can get to the peak of the mountain doing both of those, you're going to find yourself in a really good place where all of the marketing is paying off, but then the relationships are, are, are working out and the marketing starts to really enhance and back up and support the efforts on the business development side. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and having that marketing, 
um, as as well as the business development. Both both are key um, because you're you're building relationships at the end of the day, and um, there are just as many people that uh, might come to you through word of mouth as there as there is online. So you you yeah. want to have a, a good mix. So Harrison, you mentioned. Uh you know, Google reviews. And I think it's really important to note whether it's Google reviews, whether it's LinkedIn testimonials, recommendations, et cetera, that that type of social proof is critical to, uh, again, your reputation and how, and in people that know the people or might know the people that give those recommendations, just that it's really become a more important thing now than ever before people make a decision to hire a lawyer, hire me, go to a restaurant. Is that kind of a, how you see it as well? Absolutely. And when you get reviews that are detailed and mention specific keywords, it should, all things being equal, help your search engine optimization for those yeah. terms. Yeah. And I try to coach people through recommendations. So like, I'm always concerned they're going to say, Steve was nice. I like Steve. Steve's a good dude. Like that's like, that's a LinkedIn review. That's not going to really do well for me. So what I'm really looking for is, is I'm looking to coach people not to give them the words or write it for them, but really to coach them on what I call the bar. I'm going to give you an acronym that, that, that I like to use. It's before, after results or before, after recommend. So before working with Steve, you know, I was all over the place with my networking activities, my marketing, et cetera, et cetera. It was just kind of a big, you know, hot mess. And now I've got process. I've got systems. I've got more business than I can handle. And I highly recommend it to other attorneys. Okay. So if that's the recommendation and someone's reading that and they may even know that person, and it's by the way, a real person, it's not like Bob at my, my website, it's like a real recommendation that I think for me and for attorneys can go a long way to help secure the business. And maybe they're walking into buy versus walking into kind of test you or, or compare you to others. Yeah, that's great. I should implement that. <laughs> Got to implement that. Yeah. And then uh, the other thing is we could take those recommendations and then put them on our website. We can use them for social media posting, you know, put a nice graphic around it. So it's yeah. one of a, you know, dozens and dozens of things that you can do. But I think lately, you know, I think it's important for you to have a little bit of gumption to ask for the recommendation, to ask for the review, especially if the, if the client has had a good experience, they like you, you did a good job. And they're kind of complimenting you about it. Well, that's a good time to say, well, listen, maybe we need to tell the world, you know? Right. Okay. So, you know, we had talked earlier about your focus on cannabis. And then we mentioned a couple other things, NFTs and psychedelics and stuff. So is it smart to, we know it's smart to niche. We've, we've had many guests on the show talking about the importance of niching. I had uh, Chris Dreyer talking about niching up and uh, what that means and all that, but are there times where it makes sense to take your niche and add other services that are maybe logically, you know, similar? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, if, if you've got what it takes and you understand the law behind a, a certain industry, why not go and get it? Uh, there's a lot of lawyers that has started in mining and then went into cannabis and a lot of the legal principles are the same. I don't know if I'd say the same as, uh, between cannabis and NFTs, but you do see IP being a big issue. And so there, there definitely is uh, overlap between them. If you have a good understanding of a subject and the law behind it, and you see it's something that is in need, then consider jumping into it. Of course, you know, you have to make sure you understand what's, what's part of it, you know, whether doctors or lawyers or other professionals, you don't jump into something that you don't know. 
right. but uh, where, where you're confident you have uh, experience related to that and you know the legal underpinnings, um, why not go ahead? And, and I have a separate website that I even have for my uh, NFT law practice okay. to show people that um, I'm, I'm serious about it. Yeah. So it's like, uh, be careful. I would just put it out there. Like if you're niching and it's really, really working and you're focusing and everyone knows you for cannabis, and then you start branching out and doing a bunch of other stuff, it might dilute what you're working on or what you're accomplishing. At the same time, you don't want to miss something like psychedelics that maybe is in line with cannabis and you want to get ahead of the competition on it because you see it coming up the pike. So maybe it's not about removing you know, or slowing down the cannabis, but maybe it's it's getting some papers written or some presentations created around the psychedelics so that as the cannabis thing continues to move, then you've got the psychedelics, but they're still both substances. So you're still under the umbrella of I'm the substance. And that's maybe not the best language for it, but like, you know, the the legalized substance lawyer, because you're covering more ground than just cannabis. So that might be something that that really works well because you're you're not going too far out of your space yeah developing the thought leadership uh, appearing in media or uh, drafting articles white papers and, and releasing those um yeah that that that's important yeah so um kind of wrapping this up a little bit and i know we want to talk about your game-changing book but what, what kind of advice would you give other attorneys that are either solos or looking to go solo in in how they should approach it to not make mistakes or to make less mistakes than just you know straight trial and error. Yeah, well, we'll definitely have a mentor or mentors in terms of lawyers that is someone you can call if, let's say, there's you know ethical concerns that arise, or you know there's just something that you don't have that you're looking for. And as I mentioned before, you should have a very good database of presidents, and there are some companies that sell those uh, every uh, on a yearly subscription. And make sure your marketing is is fine-tuned and continuously on top of things and improving. Yeah. And in line with that, uh, you know, LinkedIn, I think just to add, you know, it's fine to get a list of people like presidents and CEOs and GC, general counsels and such. But I think you really have to get to know LinkedIn and how to work it and find inside connections. Ultimately, that's what, you know, create more relationships. And you know, cold solicitation, I don't know your experience, but I have found it to be sort of an outdated way of uh, approaching. I mean, you could do could do it at such a it's such a, a mass number that, you know, one out of a thousand pays off and that's OK. But ultimately, I'd rather work 100 names intelligently and get 10 meetings. Right. You know, so let's talk about the game changing book, uh, The Power of Now. Who wrote that and why is that your game changing book? So that's a book, book by Eckhart Tolle and uh, I, you know, some people like the book, some people don't like the book. I just think it's uh, it's the theme of the book, the concept where you have to act in the now and be focused on the present. I think that's an admirable goal. Some people would just say it's just pseudoscience and maybe it is, but I think it's a good uh, mindset to have is to focus in the now. And, you know, we all have issues we need to deal with. But if we're able to focus on the present and what needs to be done and keep yourself accountable, then things can work out in the end. And are we sure the power of now isn't about an ADHD teenager? Because that seems to be what my teenager is all about now. (laughs) What can you do for me now? What can I get pizza now? Uh, Maybe they maybe they can read the, the power of now. 
He's he's live he's living it. He doesn't have to read it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, really good stuff. I appreciate you coming on the show, Harrison, sharing your wisdom, explaining to us some of the the technologies and some of the things that are going to be impacting the legal space moving forward. If people want to get in touch with you to learn more about your practice and have questions about NFTs and cannabis and psychedelics and the metaverse, how do they get in touch with you? So they can go to harrisonjordanlaw.com or the nftlawyer.ca, fill out a form and uh, I'll reply back to them. All right. Beautiful. And we'll put all of that in the show notes, but thanks again for being on the show and sharing your wisdom and educating us on some of the stuff that I know I'm confused by and uh, and I feel like I know a little bit more about it now. So thanks so much, Steve. Yeah. And hey, everybody, thank you for spending some time with Harrison and I today. Uh, hopefully you got some good tips and takeaways and ideas from today's show. If nothing else, you learned quite a bit about technology that's going to change the legal industry now and in the future. So uh, look, it's all about helping you be that lawyer, someone who's confident, organized in a skilled rainmaker. Be safe, be well. We'll talk again soon. Thanks for listening to Be That Lawyer, life-changing strategies and resources for growing a successful law practice. Visit Steve's website, fretson.com, for additional information and to stay up to date on the latest legal business development and marketing trends. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out today's show notes.